My beautiful, healthy baby boy. Thank you, CRISPR. Hello world, it's Siraj, and a few days ago, a Chinese scientist claimed to have created the first genetically modified humans. This triggered memories of that dystopian eugenics book, Brave New World, that I spark noted in high school. No regrets. He used a very popular gene editing tool called CRISPR to modify the embryos for a couple during fertility treatments to make them resistant to HIV infection, which resulted in the birth of twin girls. Immediately afterwards, one of the inventors of CRISPR threw some scientific shade at him by calling for a global moratorium on using it to create gene-edited babies. <laughs> this fiasco has brought some really hard questions in biotechnology to the limelight that I'm going to address. Should we be engineering our own biology and that of our offspring? What are the other potentials for this technology and what does it even mean to be human? In 1919, the Hungarian agricultural engineer Karl Erecki foresaw a time when biology could be used to turn raw materials into useful products. He coined the term biotechnology to describe the merging of biology and technology. We can consider agriculture to be a form of early biotech when farmers introduced their plants to new environments and selectively bred them with others. They inadvertently altered their genetics. Also brewing beer, so hipsters are basically biotechnologists. And after more than 40 years of running on parallel tracks, the information and life sciences are slowly beginning to fuse into a single technological and economic force. We're using computers to decipher, manage, and organize vast amounts of genetic data, which is the raw resource of the emerging biotech economy. Arecki's vision has now been realized. We are at the stage where we're able to program living systems and organisms to solve problems and make products. Introducing glow-in-the-dark water. Thousands of biotechnology startups are popping up across the world with products like new medicines, medical devices, resilient crops, biofuels, and pollution controls. We're creating biological databanks using genetic information of millions of years of evolution to remake the natural world. The breakthrough that laid the groundwork for modern biotechnology came when the structure of DNA was discovered by Watson and Crick in the early 1950s. DNA is a long, coiled molecule found in the center of a cell. It provides the full blueprint for the construction and operation of a life form, be it a minuscule microbe, an elephant, or even a human. Every cell in an organism holds a complete copy of that organism's DNA. The data in DNA is not stored as ones and zeros as it is on silicon chips, but instead as code made up of four basic building blocks, A, C, T, and G, called nucleotides. The order they appear is like the order of the letters that spell words. Their order forms different genes, and each gene contains the instructions for a specific protein. The genes in the DNA of a cell can be either active or inactive depending on the cell's needs. Once a gene is active, its data is used to make the protein for which it codes. Proteins can put molecules together, break them apart, relay messages between cells, act as antibodies to defend against diseases, or act as structural building blocks, giving shape to cells and organs. Now you can retake your bio exam and pass.
Biotechnology is advancing really fast these days due to two reasons, AI and CRISPR. For example, IBM's Watson AI uses an ensemble of different machine learning models to derive insights from data, and in a demo was fed 70K papers published around one single protein. What would have taken a well-trained human years to understand, Watson was able to do instantly. It integrated the data, created a map of interaction, and added seven new protein interactions that humans later discovered independently. And then there's CRISPR. Scientists usually don't like using the word miracle, but it seems like they make an exception when it comes to this crisply named gene editing tool. CRISPR stands for Clustered Regularly Interspace Short Palindromic Repeats. Yeah, the name sounds ridiculous, I know. It refers to unusual DNA sequences that help protect organisms by identifying threats like viruses and attacking them. When we look at the DNA sequences themselves, they are clustered, they are spaced out at clear intervals, and when assigned letter values, they do look like short palindromes, repeating over and over with slight variation. Bacteria uses these repeats like collections of mugshots to identify bad viruses. And another crucial component here is Cas9. This is an enzyme that can cut apart DNA. Bacteria fight viruses by sending the Cas9 enzyme to cut up viruses that have a mugshot in the collection. Researchers have used a similar approach to turn this microbe virus fighting system into the hottest new lab tool. An organism's genome, the entire set of its DNA instructions, can be altered quickly and efficiently using CRISPR. It's low cost, easy to use. In fact, you can buy a $150 kit to use CRISPR at home. Some middle schoolers are already doing it in their science classes, and all I got to do was cut open a frog. For those who don't want to conduct experiments locally, Cloud Labs, like Transcriptic, makes it possible to do so remotely. Using robotics, it automates the tedious stuff like tool building, which lets aspiring biodata scientists focus on answering questions. CRISPR and Cas9 work as a homing device that guides molecular scissors to a target selection of DNA. It's like a computer mouse. Just point at the place in the genome, and you can do anything you want at that spot. Both the cost of gene sequencing technology and computer processing power has dropped dramatically, allowing for this field to flourish. The question then becomes, how can we engineer our world with biotechnology? Well, to start by ending hunger. Huge questions vex the future of food. How do we feed 9 billion people? How do we farm in an era of unprecedented climate uncertainty? Will Starbucks survive in Italy? No. So far, genetically modified organisms, or GMOs, have been used to help feed the world's hungry, but they are still not seen as a sustainable solution by some governments because it involves inserting desired foreign genes into the existing genome of a plant or animal. But gene editing techniques, namely CRISPR, instead modifies the organism directly without introducing foreign genetic material, which allows for a new realm of both legal and scientific possibility. In sub-Saharan Senegal, researchers tested thousands of wheat varieties using CRISPR before developing wheat that could flourish despite heat hovering constantly above 100 degrees Fahrenheit. Their wheat yield required less water and had five times more protein as well as more vitamins and minerals than Senegalese rice. 
All right, I'm getting hungry now, but look, we can use CRISPR to protect and repair the environment from any harm we cause. One example are biofuels. Plants naturally turn carbon dioxide and sunlight into byproducts. With CRISPR, we can use the sugars, fats, or alcohols produced by them as potential alternative fuel sources. We can even turn plants into sensors. They already are naturally by responding to chemicals in their environment, but by re-engineering engineering them, we can get them to signal the presence of environmental pollutants, and once identified, it could trigger a bioremediation pathway. And we can think about environmental sustainability in an entirely new way in the form of biodesign. People are already modifying genes to redesign extinct species, make plants glow in the dark, and help flowers change color depending on the time of day. Adidas even made a shoe from bioengineered fiber, which was inspired by spider silk. Still cheaper than Yeezys. Taking it a step further, we could theoretically engineer a tree's DNA to grow into a treehouse, or even engineer entire cities to be built from and around nature, living harmoniously with it. And if we can engineer physical objects and living things with DNA, why not create computers out of it instead of silicon? A cryptographer named Leonard Adelman used DNA to solve the traveling salesman problem. The goal is to find the shortest route between a number of cities by going through each city once. Adelman was able to show that billions of molecules in a single drop of DNA can be used for computing. He represented seven cities in the strands of DNA. The sequences of genetic alphabets, A, A T, C, and G, represented cities and the path. He mixed the DNA molecules in a test tube, some strands stuck together, and chains of strands were the possible answers. He eliminated the wrong molecules using chemical reactions, and what was left was the optimal answer. I know this makes C++ programming seem easy AF, but DNA molecules are able to store billions of times more data than silicon devices. It's abundant, cheap, environmentally friendly, and compact. We can use DNA for both storage and computing, eventually replacing entire server farms with a box that fits in the size of your palm. But democratizing technology of any kind has potential risks. If gene editing becomes easily accessible to anyone via CRISPR, it could be used as a tool by aspiring biological terrorists. They could use it to grow and disseminate lethal chemicals or other pests onto a population of people. The UN drafted an agreement called the Biological and Toxin Weapons Convention where countries agreed to never under any circumstance acquire or retain biological weapons. It's just a start. But if governments are on board, it makes it much harder for rogue agents to synthesize harmful material. So far, the possibilities we've discussed only include engineering our outer world using biotechnology. But the most exciting potential of biotechnology is engineering our inner world, meaning not gene therapy, but gene enhancement. There are over 10K diseases caused by mutations in a single gene, known as monogenic diseases, and many more caused by mutations in multiple genes. We can use gene editing to cure these diseases. Syngamo Therapeutics, for example, helped a man with Hunter syndrome by injecting him with a replacement copy of his flawed gene. But why end at curing diseases? 
Why not cure death itself? If we could choose when to die rather than succumb to a genetically predetermined death, it would give us much more of an opportunity to experience life. Some say that death is the only motivation to do great things in life, but why assume it's like that for all people? Curiosity, competition, spicy ramen, there are a wide variety of motivations for people. Rejuvenate Bio is a startup that has plans to reverse aging in dogs, then reverse aging in humans. They've used gene therapy to add additional instructions into the DNA of aged mice and use these instructions to regulate and modify the activity of various genes. Their plan is to increase or inhibit gene expression depending on its contribution to aging in an attempt to restore the production of secreted molecules to youthful levels. We could also modify genes to theoretically make ourselves more fit, smarter, more attractive. An ex-NASA scientist was inspired by a report from China about the first gene-edited dog that grew muscles and injected himself in front of a live audience with a gene he edited to prevent his myostatin genes from inhibiting his muscle growth. And that brings us to the Chinese scientist who claimed to have created the first genetically modified babies to be HIV resistant. Parents can theoretically use gene editing technology to create the ideal type of child in their eyes. They can enjoy raising a super genius who grows up to be faster than Usain Bolt, more beautiful than Lana Del Rey, and more creative than Shia LaBeouf, somehow. But should we be modifying humans at an early age? In a world where that's possible and it is fast becoming a reality, some people will and their children will have a clear advantage over the rest. In fact, someday it could be considered morally outrageous to not use gene enhancement on your child to help them keep up with an increasingly information-dense and fast-paced society. And while genetic data will give people the power to predict and plan their lives in ways never before possible, it could also be used by governments and employers to determine insurance premiums, employment prospects, and give rise to a new form of discrimination based on a genetic profile. Our very notion of equity could be transformed. Meritocracy could be transformed into genitocracy, where people are categorized by their genotype. Think of it like an informal biological caste system. Indians know what I'm talking about here. Let's not do that again. Legal safeguards are usually put in place to prevent them from discriminating against features we can't control, like race and sexuality. But they do discriminate what we can control, like our education level and work experience. If we can control our genetic profile, why wouldn't they? In a world where it's accessible to everyone, this could quickly become a reality. We need to make these tools widely available and begin the process of educating the population on them today. And if we can engineer ourselves, our basic biology, what does a future human look like? Currently, we all have hundreds of cognitive biases that we can't control and are well-suited for the world of our hunter-gatherer ancestors. But in an increasingly interconnected and globalized world where we can interact with people thousands of kilometers away instantly, global security demands a more inclusive, impartial and intellectually sophisticated conception of us that embraces all sentient beings. A hyper-developed capacity for empathic understanding could be theoretically engineered and genetically synthesized. Think of it like empathy in a pill form.
Okay, I made myself cringe a bit, but I'm serious. As we extend our lifespan, we are changing so much of our society so fast. We're engineering everything, and biology, the fundamental building block of life, is next. Some of us define being human as our limitations. I prefer to define us as a species that seeks and succeeds in going beyond our limitations. The humans of the future won't need to get drunk or stoned. Their well-being will infuse ideas, modes of introspection, varieties of selfhood, and whole new sense modalities that haven't even been dreamt of today. While the prospect of altering the genes of people has caused a rift in the scientific community, this type of research is happening all over the world, and we are on the verge of finally being able to modify our own evolution. The question of the century then is, can we use this new superpower in a responsible way that will benefit the planet and its people? We can't leave this huge decision to just doctors or just politicians if we don't figure out how to ensure that everyone will benefit from the potential of biotechnologies like CRISPR. We risk the creation of a genetic underclass that has to struggle to compete with the genetically modified offspring of the rich. Wizards, it's up to us collectively to get this right. We are blessed to have both an enthusiasm for technology and an interest in how to use it to benefit the world. Alone, we are strong, but if we work together, a future more bright than any of us could have imagined is just beyond the horizon. What do you think of biotechnology? Does it excite you too? Let me know in the comment section. Please subscribe for more programming videos, and for now, I've got to upload my DNA, so thanks for watching.